Good to see everybody. We are going to dive right into this, but I just wanted to say uh, something as we get started. You, I want you to remember you are not walking into a classroom environment here. You're walking into an intensely spiritual environment. And what I mean by that is what our prayer is constantly is that just as Moses used to meet God by his, the cloud descending down on the tent of meeting, that is our prayer constantly that on this campus, God's cloud would descend down upon us so that the Holy Spirit is wandering, doing all the things. I'm not going to know what your needs are. I'm not going to know what your challenges are, but the Holy Spirit knows. And so in this environment, as As we are learning and listening to the word of God, as we are worshiping, as we are praying, as we are fellowshipping, God's ministering to us and we're ministering to him, right? And and one of the things I wanted to highlight out, and that was to all of you that are watching online. So just so all the rest of you know, our sanctuary extends out into a lot of homes. So for example, We are averaging about 1,100 of you that are tuning in all weekend long. So there is a congregation over of 1,000 of us that are kind of all over the place. I just want the online community to know that if you can draw near to God during this time, that would be awesome. So, all right, having said all that, take out your Bibles, take out your handout sheet that was given to you at the front door, and we can begin. We are in part three of our Purposeful Christianity series, where we're going through the book of Colossians line by line, and we've been asking the question, if that is true, what do we do? do do? That's the point. So every time I say that, you obviously respond in that way. And what that is, it's training your body to constantly say, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Right? So the more and more that becomes muscle memory, you're going to be thinking about that as you're out and about. Lord, I did hear of you. I did hear from you. So now what do I do about it? That's we're living in the year of purpose, right? 2017, the year of purpose, the year of action, the year of doing stuff, right? So we want to talk about doing stuff. And as I draw your attention to the fill in the blank, let me, let me tell you this. God does stuff. You all know that, right? God does stuff. Uh, we do not teach a faith or a belief system of a removed God, We teach and believe in a near deity. In other words, that God says, I am among you. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that when you open up your life to him, he says that in the person of the Holy Spirit, he comes and dwells within us. That means wherever we're going, he is with us and we are connected to him. So we teach this concept of a very intricately woven relationship with our God. So God does stuff. He does stuff in his creation through his creation. So let me just give you a sampling on what I'm, what I'm talking about. The father spoke the world into being through Jesus Christ. The Holy spirit brought order to our chaos. God sustains his creation moment by moment and holds together the fabric of our reality that we might have a platform on which to live and engage with him. He formed us. He loved us. He reached out to us. He initiated relationship. Our history is full of his rescue, his act of love, his engagement with us. Jesus set aside the perks of the Godhead, the Bible says, and became human to love us, rescue us, and set an example. He then lived a perfect life and went to the cross. His life was characterized by miracles, teaching, spiritual and social justice and leadership. In other words, God does stuff. If we are to live in his example, which he said, be like me, then we need to do stuff. We are not merely an intellectual mind only faith. We are an active living body of Christ still doing the things that God does all the time, right? I mean, that is the very heart. We talk about the mission in this church of uh, bringing the wholeness of Jesus Christ to a broken world. You got to do that in a tangible way. So we are trying to put much more shoe leather and action into our faith that we might transform the communities around us. So we're looking for needs. We're responding to needs. 
were living and loving in a right way. All right. I just want to tell you that in all of that, God wants us to succeed. Yes? God wants us to succeed. What is success? It is obedience to God. Nothing more, nothing less. Remember, success in this life has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with prestige. It has everything to do with are we fulfilling our created intent, which is what? To glorify God and to love him. Therefore, as we carry out his works, we are doing so as he's pouring through us. Now, all of that means that success is defined by doing what he wants when he wants. That is success. And God wants us to succeed. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to what? Do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he's setting us up and front loading us for success. We are not trying to get his attention. We're not trying to get him to rubber stamp our ideas. We're not trying to strain after and say, God, pay attention to me. What we are doing is carrying out what he already designed out and said, kids, we can do this. Come on. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. That's really the heart of Christianity. My bottom line is to fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. It's this. God's calling is God's enabling. God's calling is God's enabling. If you know clearly that God called you to something, you can walk with confidence knowing full well that whatever part he asks you to do will succeed because God knows how to get stuff done. I will tell you one last caveat before we dive into Colossians is that God's enabling is always linked to relationship and tying you to himself. What he is not interested in doing is empowering you, putting your car full of gas so you can drive away from him. You know what I mean? What God's not doing is trying to load you with all these gifts and talents so you can go build your kingdom and become amazing in your eyes. What God is doing is every time he enables you, he has it intricately linked to a relationship with him. The Bible says, that when Jesus was teaching on this, he said, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. So all of his enabling is attached to relationship. If you find yourself severed in relationship, we are no longer operating as we should. Everything draws to relationship with God. All right, let's go ahead and pick it up. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there might be one under the seat in front of you. We are around page 983, page 983. Colossians chapter 1. We're just going to go verses 11 through 14. And it says something like this. May you be strengthened, Paul says, as he's writing to this young church in Colossae. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, by the time I get done breaking this apart today, you're going to find that this is so rich and such a beautiful passage. You're going to go, man, how come we don't preach on this more often, right? It's, it's that good. Paul thought it was so awesome that he wrote it a couple times. He also wrote a parallel passage of the same stuff in Ephesians. So I'm going to read to you Ephesians and you're going to go, man, that sounds just like, yeah, that's kind of the point but it gives you some nuances. Let me read you the Ephesians part. And it says this, Ephesians 1.16. Paul said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, just like Colossians started. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right. So what you keep seeing is Paul is saying to these churches, man, I'm praying for you and I'm praying stuff into your life. I'm praying that God would download and fill you up and fire you up with everything you need because you're going to need a lot of stuff in this life to get a lot of stuff done. So he's praying for empowerment. He's praying for resourcing. He's praying for strengthening in all these different books. So right here in Colossians, let's slide back to verse 11. Last week, we touched on the concept of authority. Do you remember that? Authority. We're talking about that we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God, that wherever we walk, we have the authority. Well, you also need a power to go along with that authority. Uh, One very common analogy that is used in pulpits today is that police officers are given two things to get their job done in advancing that kingdom, which is a badge of authority and a gun of power. In other words, the badge says, I'm not speaking on my own behalf. I'm speaking on behalf of a larger organization. And the gun says, and we need to make sure that you take it seriously and we do it now. You understand what I'm saying? So in the same way, a Christian is a citizen of another country and we are here on behalf of the kingdom of God. When we do activity, when we do ministry, when we live, we are representations of a different place that we have a badge of authority that says when I do ministry, I'm doing so on behalf of the kingdom of God. Because there's a lot of us that just need to soak in that. You keep thinking, well, I'm not worthy to do ministry. Hold on. It's not you. You're doing it on behalf of the kingdom of God. It's not your power. It's his power. It's not your authority. It's his authority. You understand what I'm saying? So a lot of us, we feel nervous and weak and ill-equipped when in fact, if we could just hang on to the concept, you're doing it for somebody else. You're right. You and of yourself are not a big deal, but God is a big deal. And you're coming in with his authority that allows certain things to happen that wouldn't normally happen in your life. Well, in the same way, there's resistance here. So we also need some power to advance that kingdom because when you come with the authority and that other force does not respect that authority, there's something you need to do to enforce it. Are we all following? Or just the first four rows? Yeah? All right, all right. Okay, so let me explain this. He says right here, may you be strengthened with all power. That is doubling up the same concept. The word there and strengthened and power are the same thing, which is dunamis. It means the dynamite power of God. Now, the one place you would probably know it most is it was the dunamis power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the dunamis power of God that does all the crazy miracles that you see in the book of Acts. It's the dunamis of God that brings about the transformation of lives. So when we're talking about God kind of explosive dynamite power, it's dunamis. So what did he just say? He said, man, for us to be lit up for all that we're supposed to do in this world, y'all, we need the dynamite power of God to be strengthened like dynamite according to his glorious might. That means God's might gets stuff done. What do we need? We need a whole lot of God power to get God stuff done. That's what he just said. Now, The power of God. Do you realize that the Bible teaches us 
that all power for the church today comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Well, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, I need you to hang here until you receive what? Power from on high in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, once again, I want to continue to get us comfortable with the idea of talking about the person of God known as the Holy Spirit, because I think a lot of us were either ignorant or were nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit. I just need us to remember the Holy Spirit is the primary member of the Godhead engaging with people and in the church today. It's that, once again, I always think about it this way. It was a tag team. The Father was in the Old Testament communicating an awful lot. The other two were still working, but the Father took the lead. He then tagged the Son who came into the world and took the lead, did the whole cross, resurrection, ascension, did a tag, sent the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit's in the front lines. So everything that we're engaging with, every prayer, everything that's going on, we're moving through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we really need to understand and be very comfortable with God as Holy Spirit, right? Well, all this power that comes in, the Holy Spirit is bringing in power. And I want to talk about what power means because I think that God gives us power in two different ways, at least. One of them is power within, power for us to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. He also operates power on the outside for us to enforce the kingdom of God. Okay, so we want the kingdom of God in us. We want the kingdom of God through us. Both of those are the Holy Spirit's power. So let's talk about the first one first because it is the context here. Y'all know how big of a deal I think context is, right? You don't read the Bible out of context. Context here, he's talking about this dynamite power, dynamite power, dynamite power. And then he starts talking about stuff that's going on inside of us. So in this context, it's primarily inside power. Now I'm going to refer to outside power, but I need you to know in context, we're talking about inside power. What do I mean? The power to change a human heart, the power to change a human life. That is supernatural. I'm going to refer in a moment to some miracles that have been occurring lately in our our building and amongst our body. There are going to be some of you in this congregation that will not receive it. I mean, you're going to go, yeah, well, that was probably this or it was probably that. And you're going to excuse it away. Yet I don't know any of you that would argue with me that God has control of my life. You understand what I'm saying? My life as a testimony is a powerful proof. Now you may think, dude, I don't think you're in the right job. You may think all kinds of stuff about me, but you can't argue that I'm all in. You can't argue that God changed the direction of my life at a very young age. That is an obvious proof. So you go, what's more powerful, a miracle or a changed life? Ultimately, long-term, it's going to be a changed life. That's just as supernatural. What the Bible says is no matter how much I preach, no matter how much you share with your friends and your neighbors, no matter how much you talk with other people, unless the father draws them, no one gets saved. It's a supernatural occurrence. You can't nag someone into the kingdom. You can't argue them into the kingdom. You can argue obstacles away if it's an intellectual block, but you cannot transform a heart by intensity only the holy spirit can make someone turn from death to life that's how it goes well that internal power not just stops at at conversion when you first become a christian and he turns on the light right it's not just that moment but he is continuing to operate in us with this intensity to transform every bit of our insides to look like jesus now that, that's something that I need you to soak in for a moment, that you have tremendous power flowing in your soul that is making you into the image of Jesus. Because I think that too often we feel like it's weak sauce or we feel like I'm trying really hard and everything's a struggle to try to become. 
I think our resistance is much more the problem. I'm not quite sure it's the power of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're, we're always like, God, I need more. He's like, well, you're not really relaxing and hanging on to what I gave you, right? You're not exactly letting me have my way. I mean, if you're going to fight me all the way, I'm not sure more power is necessary. I gave you plenty. You're just not working with it. Okay. Now, having said that, and that is the context, and we'll get into it in a moment, I want for a moment to talk about the other side of the power as well. The power that God gives for us to enforce the kingdom of God here in this world. I had uh, a couple opportunities recently. One of them was some prayers for uh, a sweet family of a gentleman that was struggling with cancer. Now, I wasn't even involved in this. But there was a prayer teams that was praying together and then they got the text, right? The text that said, there is no more cancer. Now, I just need you to know that there are testimonies flying around here of cancer and then no cancer and PET scans being clear. I need you to understand that that is happening in our midst. Amen. Now, Amen. I believe God gets some glory for that. Because y'all were acting like that's a normal thing. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a normal thing, right? It's, it's odd. <laughs> okay? So, in the same, in the same way, I, I had an opportunity this last week with, with some friends of mine to pray over a young woman that I will simply, and once again, it's hard to talk about testimonies because they're very personal, right? In one sense, I, I believe that the power of testimony is so intense that if we just sat here and told testimonies, it'd probably be better than any sermon I was ever going to preach. The, the challenge with the testimony is that I never want to look like it's grandstanding or showboating. I never want to make it look like we're trying to manipulate or say something beyond I also have to be very careful with privacy and confidentiality because if it's a true transformation of God, it's very personal. It's very private. And so it's, it's hard to share those stories in a big public setting, right? But yet I know you need to hear them. So when I share these things, understand I'm trying to keep them mellow and keep names out of it, right? All right. Well, I got a chance to minister to a young lady that I will define simply as harassed is that I felt like she was imprisoned by the enemy. You can call it psychological, mental, demonic. You can say all kinds of stuff. And I'm going to say the answer is yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Real, real heavy. And my heart's cry when I saw her, because she's a buddy of mine, my heart's cry is that she'd be free. I just wanted peace in her life. I was tired of the harassment. I was tired of all that kind of stuff. Well... God led us into a two-hour process of engaging with this. And what I watched was one kingdom clash with another kingdom. And I watched the power of God scoop a young lady out of difficulty and lay her in peace. Amen. Yeah. So... And, and my purpose in saying all that is that God's power is rolling and it's very, very strong. And so when, when Jesus sent out the apostles, he's like, hey, guys, I just need you to understand what I'm accomplishing here. And I need you to go out and do more of that. So we're going to do this, 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 this. And he kind of lists out a bunch of stuff for them to go do. And they went out and got it done. That is still the case for us today. I'm going to argue that is the most biblical way to look at it. So how does God move through us in power? Well, one of the most common ways, there's a lot of ways, but one of the most common ways is referred to as spiritual gifts. Y'all have heard about this concept of spiritual gifts, maybe. If not, what it means is God does a supernatural empowerment on all of us but in different ways. So some people would argue everybody has all the spiritual gifts. I disagree. I believe that the normal Christian supernatural life means that you operate and do a lot of those things, but a gift means it just comes easier to you. It's just a stronger gift in you. I don't think everybody needs to have the stronger because then it would just be normal. So anyway, that didn't even make any sense. So 
when I mention these spiritual gifts, I'm going to give you a list of 15. When I mention these spiritual gifts, you're going to go, I thought everybody's supposed to do that. Okay, great. Yeah, you're right. What I'm telling you is when you have a gift, it's above and beyond. It's like God gives you like, wham, you know, that kind of stuff. All right. So there are arguably three common lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible. I need to be very clear on my bent on this. I do not believe they are exhaustive. I do not believe that that is all the gifts. It's not like God sees a situation and he's like, hey, Holy Spirit, do we have something for that? No, man, we didn't list that one. Oh, well, I guess that we can't do anything, <laughs> right? I think in his infinite creativity, God is going, let me give you some samples. For example, all three lists are not the same. So obviously he's just going, listen, let me roll with a couple thoughts here. This one, this one, this one, this one. It's not complete. So you may go, man, I feel like I have this gift and it's not even on the list. That's fine. All it means is that God wants to get stuff done through his people. All right. So as I go through this list of 15, I would just like you to jot down if any of them trigger in your mind where you go, wow, that might be something God's making me pay attention to. Because for some of you, you need to discover your spiritual gifts. Others of you need to mature them right? You may know what they are. You're just not maturing them very much. So some need to discover, some need to develop, but we all have spiritual gifts. Let's see how God designed us. All right. So let's go through these. Uh, there are no particular order, but it's practical. Number one is prophecy. Prophecy means sharing what God wants to say with people. Now there is foretelling and foretelling when I preach on a weekend and I'm sharing with you what God already said, that is a form of prophecy. I just need you to understand that all it is is sharing the heart of God and what he's saying with other people. All right. So that's one form of it. There's other ones where God's downloading and he's going, man, we need to be talking about this. All right. That's still prophecy. Okay. Second one, serving. It's also called ministering. It's where we get the phrase deacons from. So the idea is if you are somebody that when you get involved in the process, and you're a servant hearted person, God just does different stuff. Your serving is at a whole different level, right? Number three is teaching. That one tends to get highlighted. We can move on. Number four is encouraging or exhortation. What that means is someone who has the gift of strengthening and challenging people to go further. Sometimes y'all know what challenging is. Like, let's say you're a personal trainer. A personal trainer in the gym sometimes just has to encourage, right? Going, dude, I know you don't want to do this. We can do this. We can get there. And then there's certain times when somebody is slacking off and it's like, whoa, hey, 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 we're not bailing out. Let's go. Come on. And you push them. That, that spirit and gift of telling other people you can do more than this, that is the gift of exhortation. Uh, let's keep moving. Number five, giving. Giving is a gift where everyone is to be giving, but for some reason, God keeps filling up your account and you're just like, I love giving. I want to give to you and I want to give to you. And then it just keeps filling back up. And you're like, man, I don't care. Let's go. We're going out and we're risking. Let's do Okay. If you're that person, that's your gift. Some of you need to mature that gift, <laughs> right? But it's a gift. All right. Number six, leadership. Leadership, the gift of leading other people is not normal. Uh, some people are supernaturally empowered to lead other people. They have a certain charisma or a woo or this power to cause people to follow them. That, that's a supernatural gift. Number seven is mercy. Mercy, that's where your heart leads in care and compassion. If there is a need in the room, boom, you're on it. You're just like, I feel that and I have to respond to that. You're the one where you go even in the bank or you go in Walmart and you're like, that lady is sad. Why is that lady sad? And you're just tracking on her the whole time, like a little creeper, <laughs> right? And you keep going, should I say something? Should I say, should I say something? Honey, are you okay? Right? You know, you're one of the, all right, you probably have the gift of mercy or you're just nosy. Okay. The number eight words of wisdom, words of wisdom has what we would consider a practical side and a supernatural side. At least from my opinion, both of them are supernatural. The practical side is that some of us, while we're sharing, people are asking our advice while we're sharing and putting pieces together. We're even amazed by like, how in the world did I say that? I didn't even think about that. That was weird. Okay. That's kind of a gift of wisdom. Um, and then sometimes it's that practical. You just get to put pieces together in the world. You already have that ability, all right? Let's keep moving forward. Words of knowledge. 
words of knowledge is tends to be where God is sharing information that you wouldn't normally know for the purpose of ministry, for the purpose of building other people up, for the person, for the purpose of evangelism, things like that. Um, and then number 10 is faith. Now we all have a measure of faith, but some people have an unshakable confidence in God. You would normally refer to them as naive, <laughs> right? I'll just let that one sit for a moment, right? Because these are the people that you kind of make fun of and go, dude, you need to be a realist. And they're like, no, I'm real. Did my God say so? All right, cool. We're good. Well, no, you need to think through it. Oh, I thought through it. I'm just telling you that what my dad says, that's it. Okay, that faith is extraordinary. God does mighty things through that. All right, let's keep moving forward. Number 11 is healing. That is bringing the healing of God here to earth, which can be mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever it is, relational, these types of things. Uh, Number 12 is miracles. That's supernatural events and acts. All right. Um, number 13 is speaking in tongues. Now, let me give you a real quick thing on the tongues issue. Um, I think that there's a difference between speaking in tongues and a prayer language. I'll just tell you that. And what I mean by that is I believe that speaking in tongues as a gift is for the corporate body, which means that that's an out loud. I got a message for y'all. I got something I got to share, but God ends up doing it through a known language, but not known to you. But if you start firing off on that, let's say that we're like, hey, anybody got a word from the Lord? And somebody just goes off in Swahili. All the rest of us are like, that's weird. Like, not sure what that was all about. I don't know what I'm amending to, right? I, I don't so that's why the next gift is important. Number 14 is interpretation of tongues. Meaning that in a corporate body, somebody else says, you know what? I know exactly what they're saying because the Lord revealed it to me. And this is what they're saying. Now you may look and you go, well, that's dumb. Why doesn't God just speak in English? Like he does in heaven. (laughs) Right? Come on. Okay. So what, what if God, what if God is like, Hey, your little dumb English language is not cutting it today. Sorry. I got to let it flow some other way, man. This whole thing, you know, y'all are using so many colloquialisms and, and it's all Spanglish. We don't even know what's going on here. So sometimes the Lord wants to do that just as a sign that he's around. If you stand up and say, um, God is in this place. Well, you know what? That that's cool. And we may all look and go, Hey, okay. No, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Theologically, you're right. Somebody stands up and says, God is in this place. And it's in a completely different Eskimo language. We're going, you didn't come up with that. You understand what I mean? There's a, there's a difference. There's a weight to it. But the reason why the interpretation is necessary is that if we're going to disrupt the body by giving a message from the Lord and we don't have any ability to understand it, wah, wah, right? Okay. Now that's different than a prayer language. A prayer language is a personal thing where you're going with the Lord. And you're going, listen, I'm praying, I'm doing my own thing, and I'm breaking out of this whole limitation of the English thing. I get so paranoid. Am I saying the right word? Am I saying the right word? What's going on? I don't even know what to say right now. Prayer language is a different matter, and so we can get on that topic in a later point. But I just want you to understand how I'm viewing the gifts of tongues, all right? Uh, Finally, number 15 is the gift of helps. Helps, that is where bringing somebody assistance with kindness and grace kindness and grace. When you help, it's like God brings all his power behind it. It's not like you're just a helper. Hey man, I like to help clean up around here. It's different. There's a different spirit about it. When you bring in your help, it's not just a help. It's almost like it, it, it just brings a power. Okay. All right. So once again, this is a sample list. It's not exhaustive, but here's the point. If indeed there are supernatural gifts, if indeed the Holy Spirit is empowering his people to get stuff done, if that is true, what do we do? Amen? Amen. We discover how God built you. You develop and discover and mature those gifts. You find what he leads you into and how to use it for the building up of the body of Christ. They're not for you to get rich and famous, but for you to carry out your God-given purposes here on earth and advance his kingdom. I'll just finish this last comment by saying that God may pull a Moses on some of you. And what a Moses is, is that 
he's going to say, hey, I want you to operate in this gift. And you go, Lord, I don't have that one. I don't like that one. That's a terrible idea. And God says, I didn't ask you. I'm telling you. All right. So there's some of us that may need to learn and discover some things that we're uncomfortable with. All right. Okay. Let's move forward. We're still in verse 11. Whee. He said, man, I'm praying power and power and power and power. What, what is he praying for power for? For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father. Endurance and patience are two very closely linked words in the Greek. One means being able to hang in there through difficult situations. The other one is hanging in there with difficult people. Can we all amen that there are both challenges in life? You know what I'm saying? All right. Because uh, here's the deal. Life is hard. All right. I mean, we can play this game and I do think it's naive and ignorant to just go, well, it's all just how you look at it. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's not fine. Everything, man, things are messed up and they're broken. And so there's a lot of hurt. But the point is, do we have the hope and ability to look through situations and look through people to be able to stay in there, but not just stay in there, but stay in there with joy? So, so let me talk about the idea of, of staying under circumstances. We can't just bail out because things are hard. We can't, we can't just run away and assume that God's not in it because there's resistance. There is resistance. I get that. But you've got to push through. That's why faithfulness and loyalty are so critical. In the same way that, that we need the strengthening of God to stay in there with people. Why? Because people are messed up, man. People are weird. People are confusing. And if we're to be a family, we've got to stick with each other through the weirdness. So how it normally goes is that you have fresh legs when you first meet a friend who's high maintenance, right? You meet that friend, you're like, man, your life's messed up. Oh, I can totally be there for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And then it goes on for a year. And you're like, okay, dude, get a new problem because you're killing me. All right. All I'm doing is praying for the same thing and you're going through the same loop. Like, what are we doing here? That's why we need the strength of God. Because it gives you a different perspective and you begin to see them in the light of the Father and all of a sudden everything begins to change and you're watching for His movement and increment and you just have a different beautiful perspective. We need the power of God to work with each other, right? That's why He's praying for it. He said, and I want you to do it with joy. This is a big problem in my opinion for the church today is that there's a lot of us that are sticking in there and we're faithful, we're just miserable. You understand what I mean? It's like you got a whole church full of faithful, bitter people. You know, it's kind of like all the folks that are, you know, you look at their marriage and you go, man, your marriage is, a, is, is terrible. And they're like, well, at least we're together. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're together. You're together. I, I'm not quite sure that was God's best, right? I think that we have something else that we need to be working for. So what happens is that somehow we need to allow the beauty of God to come through the root system so that his joy can get all the way up to our face. <laughs> right? There, there's like a jam. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so like it, it's coming up. It's coming up. It's just kind of, we need some Drano. It's kind of hitting, hitting a little, little hair block there. You know what I'm saying? Something is in the drain and it's holding it down. So we need to clear those pipes out so that the joy, remember joy and happiness, very, very different. Joy says, I look through circumstances. Happiness says, man, my circumstances are awesome. So circumstances are not always awesome, but when we look through it and we have the hope of God, it lifts us to a different place. All right. It says, and when we do this, when we stick in there and we have joy, we need to be giving thanks to the father all the time. Thanks to the father. I, I need to encourage you. You need to start this as a discipline that will become normal to you. I started as a discipline and it's become normal for me. The idea that you thank God for everything. We need to train ourselves that we do not live entitled. We do not live like we deserve everything. We own all this stuff. It's mine, that kind of stuff. We have to break out of that whole perspective. We have to think that everything we get is bonus. You don't, God doesn't owe you anything. Well, I earned that. No, you didn't. Well, I worked hard for it. Let me tell you right now, there are people in this planet that work three times as hard as you and don't make a dollar a day. So don't give me this garbage about you worked hard for it. Everybody's working harder than you and they're not making what you're making. You are overly blessed. 
So when we have that mentality, then everything is thankfulness. And now I've taken it to a silly degree. Now it becomes kind of a fun game between me and the Lord. And I'm always thanking him for stuff that I probably shouldn't. You go, well, what are you talking about? I mean, drive through food. So I literally get, I get my, I get my, you know, my whatever disease burger that I order and, and I'm like, Lord, thank you for this. He's like, dude, don't thank me for that, man. I don't, I, that'll get you closer to me. I'll tell you that, but that, that's not, you know, it's not, it's not righteous. It's not holy. So I don't know why you're thanking me for it. I mean, there's just stuff, even thanking the Lord about stuff that is funny. I find an awful lot of things funny. Unfortunately, I find Sometimes people hurting themselves funny, but that's not the point. The point is like, I'll be just driving down the road and I'll just see somebody who's in all their glory of like, they're just so outlandish and everything. And I just start cracking up and I'm like, what in the world is that? And I just, that I laugh and I go, Lord, thank you for that. Just brighten my whole day. Let's just make sure that we're always triggering to thank the Lord, right? Because everything that is beautiful or good comes from our father of lights. All right. Let's keep moving forward. It says, what are we thanking him for? He has qualified you to share in the inheritance with the saints in light. What does that mean? It means qualified. You didn't used to have it. and Now you get it qualified. The Bible says that our inheritance is assured with a guarantee. What's the guarantee? The indwelling Holy Spirit. Once again, we're right back into the Holy Spirit again. His dwelling in our life is evidence that we get the inheritance. What inheritance? Well, we live in a kingdom of now, but not yet. So we have inheritance now and we have more later. What do I mean by that? Right now we have inheritance for godly living. We have inheritance for victorious living. What do I mean? I mean, God has made it so that we do not have to live in bondage and we do not have to live in sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you that we have victorious living through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have the ability to walk with God. That is a huge deal. The inheritance of having things broken off our life and rooted out of our life and freedom to live, that inheritance, it has resistance. Yeah, remember? The enemy doesn't want to respect authority. So there's going to be resistance and we got to push through. And that's why it's so hard. But we have the inheritance now of victorious living. But in the future, the Bible says we have an inheritance kept for us in heaven where neither moth can eat or rust destroy nor thieves steal we have an inheritance of what eternal life in god's kingdom we have so much inheritance that is ours in god are we living like we have been qualified to live like that hmm why do we have that look at look at verse 13 because he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us moved us to the kingdom of his beloved son the the domain of darkness is the domain of ignorance the domain of sin the domain of the enemy I mean, we can keep putting stuff into that category, but the bottom line is it's a yucky place to be. And God scooped us out of that and moved us over into a place of light and beauty where he is. That's awesome. This this domain of darkness has held over our head for too long, but God has set us free. All right, let me explain how he did that. Look at verse 14, and it closes with this. In whom, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the gospel right here. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What does redemption mean? It means to buy a slave and set him free. It means to pay the price and set him free. Jesus paid the price and set us free. Amen? Praise God. He paid the price to whom? It's not Satan. This is something that we mistake in our minds. We real quick go, oh, well, I guess he paid Satan. God didn't pay Satan anything. Not paying him anything. He didn't deserve anything. No, who did he pay? He paid the code. He paid the what? Okay, hold on. Let me explain something. God's justice and his love never contradict. 
So God created a system because he is a holy and righteous God, which means God is perfect in every way. Anything that is less than perfect is rebellion. God's not going to put up with rebellion. So he made a system by which anyone that does anything less than perfect and rebels against him, anyone that sins is to die because they cannot be in the presence of a holy and righteous God. Are we all tracking on that? That is a code. God put the code into place. It's his nature. So when it says that he bought us back, we had lived in violation of that. So Jesus paid the price for that code, did it perfect, canceled it out. So it's no longer on us, right? When he did that, he did it by forgiving us of our sins, forgiving us of our sins. That word means in Greek to throw away, to get rid of, meaning he took all of our report of our whole life of sinfulness. And he took the whole report, the whole life of righteousness of Jesus and flipped them out. You understand what I'm saying? So in other words, what we were set free from is Jesus paid off the code, but set us free from the bully. Because what the bully was doing, the word Satan actually means accuser or adversary. And Satan was holding it over our head going, dude, you deserve death, man. You're a sinner. You know, you're a sinner. I know you're a sinner, man. You are messed up. Why would God even love you? Why would you have any right of inheritance to eternal life? You should be condemned. And he was right until Jesus fixed it all. Amen. And when he canceled it, he threw it so far away that now Satan has nothing on us. Literally, there's nothing to accuse because if he comes to you and he says, you're this, you say, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're looking at the wrong record, dude. You keep looking at my record thinking that's on me. That ain't on me. Look at it again. Has Jesus stamped right over the top of it. So we are not going to play this game. You do not have condemnation on me. You do not have death holding over my head. You do not have hell anywhere in the conversation. Why? Because that's done. The cross disarmed, it says, the enemy. Disarmed means took away his weapons. He's got nothing to fight with but lies. So how many lies are we buying into? He may not be legit, but y'all know that many of us have fallen prey to the manipulation and power moves of people that don't have real authority. But boy, they've got us convinced that they do. I wonder how much of Christianity must simply be a rejection of lies, right? Where you go, whoa, 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 that's not on me. Wait, 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 that's not right. That's not what God's word says. That's not who I am. That's not what Jesus says, right? I mean, how much of Christianity is just trying to renew our minds to get out the garbage and bring in the light, right? I mean, this, I think, is the heart of what we're talking about. Listen, can I have the prayer team come on up here? Prayer team, come on up here. Can you hear the stage? Here's the thing. I know I've gained some weight, but here, (laughs) I swear, I swear that when the team sets up the stage, this is the only part that creaks where I stand. And I think they're trying to tell me something. You're getting heavier, pastor. You're getting, I know, I know, I know I'm working on it. All right. Listen, if, if all that I've said is true, what do we do? We need to take advantage of it and live free and live in power. I want to I turn the tables a little bit on the concept of sin for a second. We spend a lot of our time looking at the world and condemning them for their sin. I'm not so sure that's the best use of our time. Why? Because they're simply being consistent with their nature. We're not. See, and this is not an insult. I just need to explain it for a moment. The people that don't have Jesus, they only can sin. You go, no, they don't. They, they do nice stuff all the time. I didn't say they're not nice. I didn't say they're not good. I said that morality doesn't count. Only God's stuff counts. 
And if you don't have God, you can't do God stuff because God's not in it. You do good stuff, but it's not good if it ain't God. See what I'm saying? So the world can only sin. That's their only option. So should we really hold them accountable for when that only option is to sin? I think who we should hold accountable are those of us that have been set free and we choose to sin. Doesn't that say, yeah, amen. Doesn't that seem odd? Seems, seems so odd that they can't do otherwise, but we can, but we just join them in what they're doing. Who should be held accountable there? Hmm. So we have the power to live victoriously. We need to walk in it. We have the heart and identity and mindset that Jesus wants to renew, but we have to lean into it. We have the ability to align our lives and our minds with God. We just got to do it. And yet I think it's pretty selfish and I'm going to talk for me personally. I think it's pretty selfish that I know all this truth and I have all this power and I still dance with the devil. Here's what I'm going to pray as an anointing for and just um, to check in with you about the prayer team. If you feel like during my message, the Lord was saying, hey, kid, there is some of what the pastor's saying you haven't even discovered with me yet. We got a new journey. Then there's some of us that is saying, hey, kid, you know full well that's your gifting. We're just not walking in it. If that is the case, that God has maybe touched you on the heart, maybe you need to get some prayer. So I'm going to pray that this team is just anointed to pray over you with a badge of heaven. It's not them. It's the badge of heaven to say, may the kingdom of God move in your situation, right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good and glorious and right every time. Holy Spirit, you are the one that brings about transformation. You're the one that changes lives. You're the one that does the miraculous. We just pray right now that you would have freedom to do what you need to do. So we ask God that you would anoint this prayer team that is up here, that this altar to you would be filled full of breakthrough and power. That God, if there are any of us that are stimulated by your heart to come up here and get some prayer, that Lord, we would be met with victory. I pray, God, that you would anoint each and every prayer member, Lord, with the authority and power of heaven. God, I pray also for all of us that are out there, Lord, online. I pray, God, that you would move in our midst, that you would make our environment holy and right and good and begin to transform our lives right where we're at. So, God, we give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend.